0: I love that song. It's a great song, and uh, I know that uh, spoke to me and and to all of us here this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 21. We're in the last book in the Bible, and the second-to-last chapter in the last book of the Bible. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And we've been through a lot. We've learned a lot. Uh, We began in Revelation 1. We've kind of divided up the book of Revelation in this mini-series, and it is a a mini-series considering there's 20 two chapters in the book of Revelation and enough material there to to keep anyone busy for years, really, to be honest. There's so much accumulative, uh, you know, scripture and study and historical data and just uh, commentaries and opinions and thoughts that go into a book like this when you begin to study it. But we've divided it into four categories and really tried to stay very practical as well as Make sure these messages do not just speak to the future, but speak to today. And uh, Revelation 1 began with Jesus Christ. And so we, we took that as kind of a first category the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we laid the foundation for everything that is to come. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega, He is the beginning and He is the end. He, he is everything. And uh, Jesus started it all. He, he will end it all. And really the book of Revelation is the, the ending, the, the omega, the, the letter Z. It's coming to that end. And that's Revelation 1. Then Revelation 2 and 3 was kind of part 2. And uh, the, it discusses the church. And there are messages to the churches there in the book of Revelation. Chapters 2 and 3. Seven churches and different messages to the different conditions of these churches. And, and uh, we can find for us today at Gospel Light the same messages, the same things that were said to those churches need to be said today to the churches in 2014. And so we took a message from that, that one of those churches and we applied it. Then uh, chapters number 4 and 5 are kind of another section, if you will, but really they extend all the way to chapter 19. So chapter 4 through 19, 4 and 5 deal some with heaven, just a glimpse of heaven, but we begin to open the scrolls and the judgments and we begin to see that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the children of disobedience. And so we begin to see a little bit of the future in chapters 14 all the way through chapters number 19. And we took four or five messages contained in between uh, those chapters, and we, uh, they, they were pretty intense, and we see the Antichrist rise up, and the, and the, and the false prophet, and we see uh, the, the judgment of God and the wrath of God being poured out uh, on, not on the church, not on those that have been saved, but on those who continue to harden their hearts and rebel against the salvation, the free gift that God has provided for all ...who will be saved. And it is a whosoever will gospel. And I'm grateful for that. And I want you to know today... ...that that whosoever gospel... ...is still available to everybody... ...in the world today. And in this room today. And then chapters number 20... ...and 21... ...and 22... or what I like to call the dessert. It really it is. It is the dessert of Revelation. I mean this is where really... ...we get to the dessert. We get to see what God has in store... For all those who love Him. Let me give you a New Testament verse. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. Amen? But God hath revealed them. He hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And without question, heaven is a deep subject. These are the deep things of God. These are things that as we begin to uh, open them up, we have to step back and say, dude, I'm overwhelmed. I can't even imagine. This is too much to really comprehend and so that's what God has prepared for us. And so let's begin dealing, first of all, with some of the misconceptions of heaven, if you will. Things that people say about heaven. Now, there's a lot of things that people say about heaven. And as I research some of these silly things, and they are silly things, I sort of put them in, in, in an order. Uh, this is, would be the... You know, kind of the weirdest to maybe the most known things. Let me give you these misconceptions about heaven. Let's get these out of the way first. First of all, angels get their wings in heaven. Who says that? Where is that in the Bible? First of all, how in the world is an angel going to get around until then? I mean, these guys need wings to get around, you know? I, I have no conception as to how that has been, uh, car- you know, brought down through as a, as a, you know, this is what heaven will be when you get to heaven. These angels will then get their wings. Not in the Bible. False. You sit on a cloud. Number two. Here's a weird one. You sit on a cloud and you play the harp in heaven. That's that's heaven. There you go. We all sit on a cloud for I guess a billion years and play an instrument that is like it's okay. I mean, I'm okay with the harp. It's not my favorite instrument. I mean, if you gave me one to play, I wouldn't choose the harp. But here I am for all eternity sitting on a cloud. I got one word, boring. It's just not in the Bible. The third misconception about heaven is every time a child dies, God must have needed another angel. That is sick. I mean, that right there, that is absolutely false. It is, uh, th- that is sad. That is not true. I mean, that would be cruel. Can you imagine God in heaven? Can you know how silly this is? And yet this is said and told and heard, you know, well, God must've needed another angel. You know how sad and sick that is. Number four, you can't know if you're going to heaven until you get there. Well, I hope so. Well, I'm, I'm planning on it. Well, everything works out, I'll be there. False, not true. Misconception about heaven. It's not in the Bible. It's not how this plays out. The fifth misconception is the most popular. This is the one you'll hear 99 out of 100 people say on the street today if you ask them. You get to heaven by being a good person. That's the most popular answer. That's the the, the number one misconception about heaven is that you get there by being a good person. You can ask almost anyone that question. Just about anyone. And and that's what they'll tell you. Well, you know, I'm just hoping my good outweighs my bad. And yet all scripture, all of scripture teaches you can't earn heaven yourself. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It has to do with Jesus Christ, God's Son, who paid the price for us. There's absolutely nothing we can do in and of ourselves. You, I, have to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and accept His free gift of salvation. So now let's, let's get some truth into that error. All right, that, that's all false. That's all wrong. Now for the truth. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Are you ready for some scripture now? That's, none of what we just talked about has anything to do with the Bible. Notice I didn't have any verses to share. Verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth were passed away. Now, biblically speaking, the term heaven describes three different things. Let's just look at that real quickly as we begin to study heaven. First of all, there is the first heaven. The first heaven would be the the realm of the sky. It's what you and I see every morning when we wake up and look into the sky and see the, the heavens. The first heaven the c- clouds the the, the 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 blueness of a beautiful sky, and, and when we look up into those skies we, we see what the Bible describes as the first heaven, then there 's the second heaven, and that would be what we see at night the planets stars, solar system, the universe some of that can be seen some of that is is uh, you can get a a a uh, one of those microscopes or some sort of a device that you can look into the universe and see some of the scars and uh, stars rather and different things of that nature. And that becomes what the Bible describes as the second heaven, what you can see at night. And then there is the third heaven and that would be the realm of God. The realm of God is the third heaven. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said he was caught up in the third heaven. And when Paul said that, he was speaking about a a realm that only God really at this point knows about. And this is what God is preparing, this third heaven. Now, here in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, he is actually speaking about all three at once. He talks about a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were what? Passed away. There's no more sea. No more sea simply meaning this, that, that there, there, there'll be no more oceans. There'll be lakes and, and streams. We know that because there's a river in heaven, amen? And, and so there's going to be water, but there's not going to be big, massive oceans that separate us because that's, the, that's what happened during the flood. The fall of man brought on all of these catastrophes that led to separation. And no more will there be separation. We'll be all one big, happy family in heaven. No more sea, no more oceans, no more big, vast body of water. But there's no heaven, there's no... The first heaven, the first earth is is passed away. You see, the place we're living in right now, Hot Springs, Arkansas, will not be in heaven. And I'm okay with that. I love Hot Springs. But see, I've I, I, I really studied this chapter uh, 21 in Scripture. And, and let me tell you something, folks. I'm okay and you will be too if you're not right now with there being no hot springs in heaven. There's no USA in heaven. I love my country. But the United States of America is not in heaven. There's no Grand Canyon in heaven. There's no Swiss Alps in heaven. It's all gone. There's a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven, the former earth is passed away. It's gone, kaput, no more. In heaven it will all be recreated Especially fashioned and for the children of God from the infinite creative genius of an almighty, awesome God. Look at verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. So John sees a new city called New Jerusalem. Not not the old city, Jerusalem, but the new city, Jerusalem. And this city is coming down out of heaven, and the Bible says it is prepared. And when the Bible tries to describe, and I say Bible, John saw this. So when John saw this, what John could say about this was this. It was, when I saw it, it 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 was prepared like a bride. Best way I can describe this to you, everybody, for all the world that will ever read the Bible, the best way I can describe what I'm seeing right now is it's like a bride adorned for her husband. Wow. You know, there's not many things prepared like a bride. I've almost been married for 27 years. And as I meditated on that verse, I just simply meditated on my wedding day. I meditated on that day in 1988, July 30th, when I stood on a platform with the pastor and awaited for those doors to open. And when those doors opened to a packed-out auditorium, and I saw my beautiful bride. She's still beautiful today. She was prepared... Listen. My wife has to get ready in about five minutes now. We've got Gloria Ann on the scene. And it's all about timing. Honey, i got to get ready before she wakes up. Because when she wakes up, it's 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 24-7. So she gets ready quick. And she looks pretty good for five minutes, doesn't she? But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't no five minutes that day, sweetheart, was it? Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. Man, a Japanese tradition, weddings are big. They do they do it big and you you do it big too. And she opened that they opened that door and there I saw my beautiful bride, my Japanese princess with that long, beautiful black hair, which she still has today, twenty seven years later. And I looked at my beautiful and I wanna say I was overwhelmed. I was blown away. There's not many moments like the moment that a bride steps into an auditorium prepared for her husband. Not many moments like that. Not many memories like that. A bride. Can I tell you something? You won't be disappointed in heaven. You won't be disappointed. I wasn't disappointed in my bride that day. And a thousand times, a thousand times more, you won't be disappointed when you get to heaven. I'll tell you what you will be. You'll be overwhelmed. I just, that song we sang. I just just downloaded the words just to read it to you again. I see the works of your hands. Galaxies spin in a heavenly dance. Oh God, oh God, all that you are. Is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice. All at once, it's a gentle and thundering noise. Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. I delight myself in you, captivated by your beauty. As a bride adorned for her husband, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you. God, I run into your arms unashamed because of mercy. God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you. Are you overwhelmed this morning? Can I tell you whatever you felt this morning as you tried to imagine what God must look like, what it will be like to see that day when you see him face to face. If you tried to conceive that, if you tried to close your eyes and picture that, can I tell you, you are so short. I have fallen so short of what that will be like. And yet today it caused me to say, God, I run into your arms. But that day, face to face, we'll all be overwhelmed going to give you seven amazing things about heaven in Revelation 21. Number one, in heaven, everything is always new. Everything is always new in heaven. N-E-W, new. Notice that's kind of the the summary of everything in these first few verses. Did you see number verse number one? And I saw a new heaven. Look at verse number two, if you have it there in front of you. And I and I John saw the holy city. What? New Jerusalem. Look at verse five. And all that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. In heaven, everything will always be new. Nothing boring in heaven. Hey. Hey, Sam. It's a nice shirt you got there. I love that shirt. Huh. First time I ever wore it. Brand new. Next day, hey, Sam, dude, man, that is a beautiful shirt. Brand new. Never wore this shirt before. Here's somebody. After ten thousand years, I see him in heaven. They're my, one of my good friends I met when I got there, and I say, "Hey, hey, John, hey, hey, boy, you look like you you're quite satisfied right now. You got a smile on your face wider than a wave on a bucket of slop, boy." And he says, "Man, I'm telling you what, I just got up from the dinner table. Well, was it good? Was it good? I've been in heaven ten thousand years, and I've never tasted a recipe like that." Always new in heaven. Always fresh in heaven. Let me tell you something. The bread is never stale. In, there is no five-day bread in heaven. There's no sales in heaven. You don't go to the grocery store and see, you know, uh, reduced items. Sorry, Sonya. there's nothing reduced in heaven. But the good news is it's all free. It's all free. Oh, everything's always new in heaven. And we won't ever get over the newness. I like new stuff, don't you? (laughs) I like new things. God is going to constantly be creating and recreating in heaven. Number two, in heaven, God is near. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment. The purpose of the worship team, honestly, what I've come to understand about the people that God chooses to lead churches in worship. I've come to understand this as I've studied Scripture, and, 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 and I'm not even close to where I need to be on this. I, I read a lot of books on worship. I really do. I, I'm, I'm trying to understand worship more every week of my life because I, I know how important it is to God. I mean, to me, the theme of Scripture in many ways is worship. It's what we're going to do for all eternity is worship God. And so I've kind of transitioned philosophically here. We no longer just have a, a, a let's just sing to one another. Let's get a, you know, let's just sing a, a song or two and throw it together. And we just need three or four minutes. You've played this song. We've sung it a thousand times. We've kind of gotten away from that. And what we've done is we've, we've asked the people who lead us in worship to, to honestly pray and seek the face of God and spend hours in preparation, if that's what it takes, to help on Sunday mornings for about 15 or 20 minutes to usher us into the presence of God I don't want anyone to come to church on a Sunday morning and not feel as if they were near God at some point I don't want it to be I don't want it to be just cliche I don't want it to just be some kind of deal where first and last are you ready and I want it to be The purpose of this. That's why we don't have breaks. That's why we don't get real close and then say time out Let's make some announcements we used to do that because I didn't understand. That, that, that we take that time, we take that little portion in our service before the preaching to usher us as close to the presence of God as we can get. But can I tell you something about heaven? In heaven, God is near. Look at verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. One verse, three times, three times you're going to notice. In one verse, God is with men. He dwells with them. And God himself shall be with them. We won't get over the nearness of God in heaven. God is with us in heaven. God is near in heaven. It is going to be incredible. When you think about the nearness of God, when you think about the fact that you are going to see God, you'll be near God. Near Him. You know, when my dad comes to visit Hot Springs, he stays with us in our house. It's funny, I, I haven't lived with my dad in you know 32 years. I haven't lived with my dad in in, in a long time. But when my daddy comes to visit, it's funny. I wake up in the morning, and it's like, Dad is in the house. My dad. This is cool. I love my dad. And when Dad is in Hot Springs and when Dad's at my house, and I know Dad's going to come out and he's, and he's going to be in my kitchen and he's going to be making coffee and drinking coffee with me, me and my dad. I mean, he's near. I just, I just love being around Dad. Just being close to Dad while, while, while he's here, while I've got him, while he's still alive. It's just good to be close to Dad. Can I tell you something, church? <laughs> when we get to heaven, we're going to be close to Dad. We're going to be real close to Abba Father. We're going to be real close. God will be so close to us in heaven, we, we're going to get to ask Him questions. Did I just say that? Did I just say that we get to ask God questions? I can't wait to ask God questions. Jesus, you've got to tell me, what was it like to walk on water? That's insane. That's incredible. I mean, tell me about that. Jesus, you've got to talk to me just a little bit about your childhood. i got so many questions, Jesus, because we don't know much about you from birth to 30. We really don't, God. We know about the carpenter shop. But tell me, I mean, like, you know, did you play sports? Did you play, you know, what did y'all do? I mean, we got soccer, basketball, baseball. What did y'all do for sports back then? Did you have friends? Did you hang out? What did y'all do? What were the schools like? Isn't that going to be cool? I'm talking to God about his life. And then I'm going to ask him questions like, God, why did all this happen that happened to me? Why, why did this happen, God? Well, you know, I pastored a church, God, and there were some things, you know, there were some children that died in our church. I didn't, I just, it was tough to understand. I mean, I got through the funeral the best I could, God, but, whew, man, God, it was just so many questions. God, could you help help me understand that? I know you were in control, God, but but what was behind that? What was behind that? Cool, huh? He's near. We're going to get to ask him questions. Number three, in heaven, suffering. Number three, suffering will be absent. These are seven things we know about heaven from just one chapter in the Bible. Just one. Suffering will be absent. Now, church, let me say this. Verse 4 is one of the most comforting verses in all the Bible. It is one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture. I encourage you to underline it. Mark it in the margin of your Bible. Type it on a 3x5 card and put it on your refrigerator. Let this verse consume you while you are here suffering on planet Earth. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Isn't that awesome? It's a comforting verse, isn't it? Tears here in this verse represent the things that have caused us pain. Or the things that have shattered our hope or broken our hearts. Has anybody got stories like that? Raise your hand if you got a story that broke your heart, shattered your dreams. Come on now. If your hand's not up, you're not, you're not listening. Think about it. Everybody in this room has something that at some point or another. Wait a minute. I said, everybody in this room has about a hundred. Good night. I mean, just moments where we have just about fallen apart, where where our dreams were shattered. I'm thinking about my little, my, 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 my nephew in in, in in Hawaii, James's son Keith and Josie lost their little child a couple of weeks ago. That's tough. First one, been trying to get pregnant for a long time and finally did and lost the child. And I'm thinking about the dreams that were broken at that moment. The tears that were shed. The heartache of that. We've been there. You've been there. Psalm 56 verse 8 says this. Thou tell us my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Did you know that there is a bottle in heaven that God is putting all of your tears (laughs) And there is coming a day when all of those tears are going to be wiped away. No more tears in heaven. No more tears. That's the first thing I want you to see. There's seven no mores here. Notice the no more tears in heaven. There are five things, I should say, that will not be in heaven. There's more than five, but let me give you five. No more tears. Number two, no more death. How great will that be? How great will it be that there'll be life without death hallelujah for that no more funerals no more funeral homes no more tombstones no more caskets no more aging no more older or younger no more really mean people on sunday morning walking up to me and saying you're bald And you know who I'm talking about. You know, preacher, I'll try to, it's going to be hard looking up at the pulpit, the glare off your head. Shut up. Shut up. I'm going to heaven. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have hair like you, bro. Stand up. I'm going for it. Yes, sir. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Listen, when you've lived without this much hair for so long, you envy that stuff right there. (laughs) In heaven, in heaven, there's going to be a total reunion of all of our loved ones who knew the Lord. Everyone in this building who has miscarried will see your child in heaven. Every one of them, including me and my wife, will have that child in heaven. Every one of you. Number three, no more sorrow. There are a lot of sad, sorrowful things that happen in this world. A lot of things. All resolved. None of it. No sorrow in heaven. No crying in heaven. No crying in heaven. No one will ask this question in heaven Sonia, you having a good day? Of course I'm having a good day! I'm in heaven! Every day is a good day. Quit asking me if I'm having a good day. It's a dumb question in heaven. (laughs) Because every day is a good day. Every day is absolutely 1,000%. Yes, it's awesome. I love this place. There's no sadness, no sickness, no crying, no tears, no death. Every day is a good day in heaven. You'll never look before crossing the street in heaven. Amen. No pain in heaven. No pain. No relational pain in heaven. No strife. No conflict. No hurting. No misunderstandings. No hurt feelings in heaven. No physical pain. No disabilities in heaven. Everyone has perfect health in heaven. No wheelchairs in heaven. No quadriplegics in heaven. No sign language in heaven. No accidents in heaven. No pain. No pills. No surgeries. No doctors. No dentists. No root canals. Hallelujah in heaven. Let me tell you something else that's going to be different in heaven. It's my little girl. Come here, Glorianne. Come see Daddy. Come here. Thanks, Brian. Daddy? Can you come? Yes. Say hi. Glorianne is uh she has disabilities. She's a special needs child. Are you special? <laughs> Man, I wish I was a special needs child sometimes. <laughs> Are you excited? Yeah, where's mommy? Look, yeah, mommy. (laughs) Can I tell you something? When we get to heaven, there's no disabilities in heaven. Hey, we're all special to God now, but I can't wait to get to heaven and just see the personality and no more surgeries. She's had about three this last year. We've got to check. She's got a big old bump on her head that won't go away. We've got to check on that. Always something to be worried about with her. Always something to kind of freak out about. In heaven, God's going to say, I want you to meet your daughter. This, I know you thought she was perfect, but let me show you what true perfection is. And she'll say, hi, Dad. <laughs> Thanks for taking care of me down there. I know it's a pain. <laughs> Can I have a kiss? I love you. Say bye bye. Go, go, go bye bye. You can go bye bye. Go, Bree. Br- go, Brie. Go, go, go this way. Can't play the piano. Okay. Oh, I got to leave this fun place. Give her a hand. In heaven. Number, 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 number four. In heaven, satisfaction will be abundant. Satisfaction will be abundant in heaven. Look at verse 6. And he said unto me, it is done. I'm alpha and omega, beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst. I want you to pay close attention to that word. I, God, says, will give to him that is thirsty. Let's think about that word thirsty for just a minute. When you're thirsty, you need something. After this service, I'm going to be hungry. Amen. I already know what we're having for lunch. And if you think I want this sermon to end, or you want this sermon to end, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I want it to end too, okay? I'm starving. All right. I'm hungry. I don't eat breakfast on Sunday mornings. I don't know why. I just I'm too nervous, you know. But I get home, I'm going to have some of Zoe's homemade salsa. Who's had Zoe's homemade salsa? It'll change your life. First thing I'll do when I get home, I'm going to eat some Zoe's homemade salsa, and I'm going to let Michelle and Caroline get it all done, and they're going to serve it up, and we're going to have us a meal. I am hungry. Something in me right now is not satisfied. I'll be thirsty after this message. I'll go up to the office. I'll get me a bottle of water. I'll drink half a bottle of water before I... Take a breath just because you preach it for 45 minutes and and you get thirsty. I mean, I'll be thirsty. You see, thirsty and and hunger is something that is in us right now because we, we want something. We're not satisfied. You don't have everything right now that you were created to enjoy. You see, if you feel a bit disconnected this morning, if you feel a bit discouraged this morning, if you feel a bit discontented this morning, that's normal. That's just life on earth. It's the way it is. We wake up and live every day wanting more, needing more, needing something. We're just not satisfied. But in heaven, that thirst will be quenched. That hunger will be gone. That dissatisfaction will become satisfaction. It is done. You'll have everything your heart could righteously long for. Let me give you this statement. I thought about putting it in your notes in heaven, if it's wrong, we won't want it. And if it's right, we'll have it in abundance. In heaven, if it's wrong, we won't want it. I can't wait to not want wrong. Amen? Anybody ever just, I mean, be honest. Sometimes you just want to do the wrong thing. <laughs> I, okay, me and about three others. Uh, thanks, Luke. Thank you. Thank you, Jorge. Thank you, Carol Ann. Okay, the four most spiritual people just admitted the truth people that are honest I just sometimes I just want to do the wrong thing I mean you know I'm sorry I just I'm flesh sometimes I want to do the wrong thing I I, I, think thankfully I don't I don't do it all the time sometimes I do do it I don't I, I you know I just sometimes I want to do it I wish I didn't want to do it but in heaven I won't want to do the wrong thing anymore ever and if it's right I'm gonna have it in abundance I'm going to have an overflow, an overload of righteousness in heaven. And so in heaven, satisfaction will be abundant. Look at verse 7 real quickly. It says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. How awesome is that? All things. We have no idea. We have no idea. Number five, heaven is exclusive. Heaven is exclusive. I was talking to a friend of mine who was visiting this weekend, and he likes to golf, and he said he tried to go to this golf course to buy a, a shirt. I can't remember the name of the golf course. It's in Little Rock, and it was built by some dude billionaire named Stevens. Does anybody know about this golf course? Okay, what's the name of it, Kim? A lotion. Who names a golf course a lotion? You know, this place... This guy that went is a multimillionaire, And so, you know, he thought he'd throw his weight around a little bit. He said, I went up to the gate. You know, this massively beautiful gate. He goes, this guard comes up with this stern face. Yes, sir, can I help you? He's got his, you know, real nice rent-a-car, you know, the luxury rent-a-car. He's thinking he just wants to buy a shirt. He pulls up and he says, uh, I'd like to go to the golf club. I don't have reservations, but I'll just, if I could slip up to the, I'd just like to buy an, a, a lotion golf shirt. He he said, sir, this is almost laughable. Are you serious? He said, Yeah, I want a shirt. I'm I'm fine. You can fresh me. You, you want my license? He goes, Are you a member here? He goes, No. He said, Did did, did you make res Do you know somebody? No, I really know. I'm from Philadelphia. I, no, I don't know anybody. He said, Well, turn around. You're not buying a shirt today. Dude, that place is exclusive. That's what I call a golf. I don't even want to know what the membership fees are. I'm out. I mean, I'm I'm at the nine-hole golf course that needs the grass cut. Amen? Everyone is not going to heaven. Not a good spot for an amen, but it's true. There's people in this room not going to heaven. You see, it's sad, but it's true. Revelation 21, verse 8. Look at it. But, but, now th- that does not need to be true, by the way, what I just said. But I'm trying to get you to understand. Heaven's exclusive. Notice here it says, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the faithless, those that, that just choose to not believe on the name of the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ, and the abominable, those that just practice evil stuff, and murderers. We talked a few weeks ago about that meaning even hatred. Wanting somebody dead, you're 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 a hater, you're a murderer, and a whoremonger, sexual immoral, and a and a practicing sexually immoral person that just continues to do it, and a sorcerer, those who who are addicted to to, to, to pharmaceutical drugs and depend on that, and, and not. On Jesus and I 'm not talking about struggles and lives and sins, I 'm talking about this is something that you do and you 're not stopping it and you don't care to stop it. And idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake. By the way, I know normally we associate lake with water, but not here. This is a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. it 's called the second death. it 's hell. It's, I mean, it is from, from one end of the lake to the other end of the lake. It's fire, no water, just fire. You see, this is symbolic. You know what that verse is there for? In the middle of heaven, talking about heaven. This is in the middle of a description of heaven and what God is going to do. God says, wait a minute, I just time out. Not everyone's going there. The fearful, the unbelieving, but these are not going. It is exclusive. I'm going there not because I'm anything. If you go there, it's not because you're anything. It is because Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. Do you have Jesus Christ as your Savior? And what those verses are, they're symbolic of the exclusiveness of heaven. It's an exclusive place. It really is. You've got to know Jesus as your personal Savior. You must have accepted him as the only way to heaven. Number six, heaven is, well, let's just say it. It's big. It's big. And don't write big B, little I, little G. Go ahead and do it like it's on the screen. Because it's big. And go ahead and put the exclamation mark next to it. It's big. It's real big. It's like really, really, really big. It's beyond comprehending big. How many like big stuff? I like big stuff. Amen. It's good. I like a big steak every now and then, right? Give me the big one. Give me the cowboy ribeye. You know, give me the big one. Look at this. Look at verse number 18. Heaven's big, man. It's big. And the building of the wall of it was, was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Well, no, I'm sorry. Verse 15. I'm sorry. I, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but verse 15. I'm sorry. i I have skipped a few verses here. I wanted to give you some more exclusiveness about heaven. But let me get, go to verse 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. We're going to measure the city with a golden reed. Wow, that's neat. Can you imagine a like a, a measuring tape made of gold? You know, God doesn't mess around. He's not bringing like, you know, Lowe's stuff to heaven. Okay. This is like a golden reed to measure heaven. And the gates thereof. Now, by the way, we know the gates thereof. There were 12 gates There were three gates every 375 miles. And these gates were stunning. Verse 16, and the city lieth four square. So it's square. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, this golden reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So let's do a little math. Furlong is about an eighth of a mile. All right. 12,000 furlongs. Is that what it said? So 12,000 furlongs with one being an eighth of a mile is this, 1,500 miles. That's the shape of heaven. 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles in every direction. That, That would be New York to Houston. Okay? Just to give you an idea, about half of the USA. Now let's do a little math typical typical city 10 blocks 10 blocks to a mile in a typical city so if heaven is 1500 miles that's 100 rather excuse me that's 15,000 city blocks one way that's 30,000 streets or 45 million miles of road on level 1 if it's 1500 miles high I wonder how many levels that is Dude, I just blew my mind. It's gone. I don't know where to go from here. Let's talk mansions now. Okay? Uh, let's go. One mansion to, to one to, 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 to let's go four mansions to a city block. So let's put a mansion on each corner. I mean, I'd like to have a I want a pretty big lot. You? I'd like to have a lot, you know, a little, a little lot, a little space in heaven, you know. So let's just say, you know, just for fun of it, let's just say four mansions per city block. We got we got one on each corner of each city block. We would have to see, just, I'm giving you the, heaven is what? It's what? Big. We would have to see, I like to see mansions. Do you like to see mansions? I like to see mansions. I like to drive by mansions. I like to go into mansions. I like to get tours of mansions. Mansions are nice. So we would have to see, if that's the truth, if there's just one mansion on on every corner of every city block in heaven, we would have to see one mansion a minute if we were to see all of them in six million years. Heaven is big. There's no use in going any farther with this point because you're done and I'm done. I'm like, okay, six million years, we got a nice little tour of heaven. And that's just one minute of the outside of the mansion and maybe running inside the house, up the stairs and out of the house. This is crazy. Six million years, though, that's just the first day in heaven. It's forever. Number seven, heaven is going to be beautiful it's gonna be beautiful look at verse 18 wow and the building of the wall of it was jasper city was pure gold like in a clear glass wow jasper by the way that's just another word for diamond and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones the first foundation was jasper the second sapphire the third Chalcedony, the fourth emerald, Sarnix, Sardius, Chrysolite, Beryl, Topaz, chrys, uh, Chrysophros, Jacinth, Anathist. Someone said they tried to make that. They, when they read those verses, they tried to take all those and make it. Basically, what they said was this. It is just one amazing, colorful stone. I mean, it says this. It makes the rainbow look like a shack. Heaven. It's beautiful. Look at verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Wait a minute. The gates are huge. The walls are 216 feet high and 18 inches thick. The walls. The gate has to be as tall as the wall. This is one big pearl. This is a pearl. I look at the gate, I see a pearl. Never seen a pearl like that. And there's 12 of them. Wow. And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple in it. You don't need a temple when you got God. He is the temple. And the city had no need of the sun. We don't need a sun. Well, how's it gonna, how are we going to light up heaven? We don't need a moon. For the glory of God did lighten it. The Lamb is the light thereof. God is the light in heaven. You say, Preacher, this is like, this is incredible. It's stunning, is what it is. It's unbelievable. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth shall bring glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. We don't need to shut the gates in heaven because there's no danger. There's nobody that's going to get in. Hey, everybody bad by now is in hell forever and ever and ever. The demons are in hell. The devil's locked up in hell. He's in chains. He ain't coming out for eternity. Keep the gate open. Lock it up. Keep it open. Isn't that good? there shall be no wise enter into anything that defileth. That's a problem for me. I'm I'm out. You're not going to heaven, preacher? Well, according to that verse, I'm not. God can't let anything in heaven that's defiled, and I'm defiled. I'm a sinner. I've got iniquity in my heart. I'm not righteous. You didn't think you were, did you? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we've got a problem here. The problem is God cannot let anything in heaven that is defiled. Isn't that what it says? And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination. This is a problem that we can't solve. But Jesus Christ came to solve it for us. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet defiled while we were yet abominable, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah! There's the answer! There's the solution to my problem. I thought I couldn't go because I'm defiled, but God made a way, and He made a way through Jesus. And look at the last part of that verse. I love it. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life there is a book in heaven that contains the names of everyone that has ever been saved it's called the lamb's book of life is your name in that book is your name in that book are you saved why should god let you into heaven why why should he let you into heaven do you know the answer to that question it's one answer to that question the only way to answer that question is Because Jesus Christ died for my sins and I received that payment for my sin. And Jesus has made a way for me to come. It's all Jesus. It's not my good works. It's not me. It's not my faith. It's not my goodness. It's all Jesus. If you don't know that today, I want you to bow with me, everyone, just for a moment. Bow with me.